Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and joining us today is Kay Knuth. Kay is the owner and founder of Knuth Financial Life Planning. Thank you for joining me on my show, Kay. Welcome. Thank you so much. Great to have you. So let's start off. I know a little bit about your story myself. I think it's really interesting and fascinating. I think our audience is going to learn great things just from this first kickoff question. Tell us about your story. When did you realize you wanted to be a financial professional? What steps did you take to get where you are today? And tell us a little bit about your organization today as you come to the current state and how you got there. How much time do we have? We have all the time you need. (laughs) I think the beginning of my story is interesting because I graduated from UW-Eau Claire State College in 1982. And for those of you who watched the market, 1982 was not a great year in our world in terms of finances. There were double-digit inflation and OPEC and a recession and a bunch of things going on. And so as a result, there were no jobs. And there was one job from a paper company that was on campus and they were a little, you know, it's a paper company. It's a little tiny town, Kakana. They hired me to be an inside salesperson. So I got to learn and I live in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is the paper valley. And what I figured out within six to 12 months, when we talk about how I got a bunch of lessons I weren't in college, we were having to do with how women were treated and how you got paper scheduled, which wasn't necessarily protocol. And uh, just a lot of life lessons that I didn't have in college. And so I made the decision to leave and I had saved my money because I was a good saver. So I left the paper company without a job and was writing out resumes on my Smith Corona electric typewriter with whiteout and making all those cover letters for those potential jobs. I said, I better do something. Why don't I volunteer? So I looked in the paper and the Red Cross was looking for someone to help out. I went there, worked 10 hours a week, and lo and behold, in April of 84, a major tornado came through Appleton and Red Cross is disaster. So all of a sudden I was ramping up from 10 hours a week to 60 hours a week, getting gift certificates and interviewing families to see what they needed and where their holes were and all of that, just kind of like, you know, on the job training. And as a result, the chairman of the board of the Red Cross went to the director of the Red Cross, Karen, and said, who's this case to Hobiak person who keeps signing my name to letters to people for fundraising? <laughs> he came up to me and he said, how would you like to become a financial planner? He was the district manager for IDS back then. And I said, well, what's a financial planner? And I kind of went from there. By October of that year, so this is called April, May, June, Oh, and they paid me for 40 hours a week for a couple of months while I was doing all this, getting this, you know, baptism by fire. And by October, I was licensed and it was a great, a great starting point for, I'm sure many people in the audience have had some, you know, beginnings at Ameriprise or IDS, but it, they taught me how to do financial planning from scratch. And we didn't have what we have now in terms of software and everything else, but it was the best, the best starting point for me. And it was ironic how it turned out. So here we are X number of years later. Well, you know, your company's name is Financial Life Planning, and that seems to fit pretty well. Who would think that, at least intuitively, right off the top of someone's head, American Red Cross, life experiences, and financial planning coming together? But it sounds to me like that really gave you firsthand look at why someone might need a financial life planner. Well, 
I that that is true, Amy. And in addition to that, I went in the to the banking world for 18 years and did financial planning in private banking. And then I was a regional manager for financial advisors for uh, what is now BMO Bank. And so I was managing other financial advisors. But what what the constant rub for me was that we weren't touching stuff. We were just take order taking, just filling orders and not really getting down deep, not doing a cash flow, not finding out people's goals, not finding out their risk temperament, not talking to both parties in the in the family or all parties in the family. So those things, you know, I kind of stood out because I kept asking those really silly questions <laughs> in the banking world. So that was that was part of my determining factor to have to start something myself. If I if it isn't there, I'll just create it. And life planning is what it's about. There's so many life transitions, and we all go through them. And we personally have been through my office and myself and my family have been through a tremendous amount of, of life transitions. And we have the ability to share what we learned and, and tell people what they need to do in a death, a divorce, uh, an estate settlement, getting out of college and finding a new job, looking at student loans and FAFSAs. There's just so many pieces and the average consumer doesn't get to do that until they doesn't know what to do until they're there. So we've had the benefit of a lot of experiences and we learn something new every day. So that's the other piece is you can't, we just really can't sit on our laurels at any point in time. So there's a lot, aside from the continued that we have to have, I tend to get more because you just can't, it's, it's so dynamic and it's great. That's partially why we like it so much. How do you get the word out, Kay, that you are an expert in life transitions? That's a great segue. And to your point, those are the times when mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, aunt and uncle, student, whoever it may be, right? The transition is the moment where they need you the most. But how do you get that word out? I would have to say for the most part, it's referral. It's hard to really articulate that in an ad. We talk about it. But it really is referral, and that's what we prefer to have if we can. And it's been attorneys, for instance, divorce attorneys who have sent someone to us early. We really encourage them to send someone who's going through the divorce early, early in the process, not when it's done. So we can help that person adjust to what their life is going to be and what they want to do. And do they want us to keep their house? Do they want to go back to school? How much money do they need? So we really spend a lot of time on that. And there's probably a fair amount of just helping people talk through things. That I probably is our biggest, you know, people, if I think of who sends whom to us, it's people who have lived through something with us. The other is estate stuff. And, you know, even when we have clients in our office, we tend to ask what's going on with their parents and what do you know about their situation financially? And do you know anything about the titling? And it's, and I say, it's not, this is not to be nosy. This is to make life easier for you if and when something happens. So and you know, people think they have a will done, they have, they have an estate plan done, but nothing is titled according to the trust or, you know, there's, there are so many holes and it's no one's fault. It just is. So we're kind of the troubleshooter with people in that regard. The word of mouth, I guess, would be the biggest one. And it's been really fun to see, you know, we get thank you notes and having someone be raw that first time, first meeting and in a bad place. And like maybe call it a 12 to 18 months later, they've now purchased their own condo or they have a new job or they got remarried or, you know, their, their days are better than they were 12 or 18 months ago. So the, those are really heartwarming conversations and discussions. Does that lead 
to the opportunity to support multi-generational planning efforts within families for you? Well, we sure make that effort. I firmly believe in being able to work with all tiers or all parts of the family tree. We have grandparents and parents and grandchildren with a fair number of our top clients, not all of them. There is a couple, you know, what's real odd is when you have there are a couple of clients who don't have relationships with their children or bad relationships with their children. So we haven't been as successful at getting through there, but it, it really does lend itself well. And what we try to tell people is that just makes it easier for everyone to know we're not going to share everybody's financials, but we know the titling and we know beneficiaries and we know what's coming up age-wise and what the kids have to worry about with the parents and so there's a lot of education that we try to share with all of our clients. And we tell them that, them that on the front end, because, you know, what does come next? When do I start applying for Medicare? And so it does lend itself well. And we try to plant seeds all the time. And that sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But we have a fair amount of our larger clients that we have multi-generational relationships. Makes sense. I think it's a great idea. It's an interesting point, though. If there's division in the family, that makes it even more challenging. Probably a whole different set of conversation points that you have in those situations, I would imagine, right? Oh, oh, yes. You know, and it, it's sad because what you know, these are educated people, and they have you know good incomes and everything else. But for whatever reason, there's there's some unrest and has been unrest. And so we, we just always want to at least try if we can get to a daughter or a son or just add, be able to ask them a question or get them on the phone. Because many times these relationships, you know, it may be about, you know, the father and the son or the mother and the daughter or what have you. And we may think there's some disconnect. We can see why there would be a disconnect. It's pretty obvious. But if we could just say, hey, we're, we're here though, and we see what you're going through, but we'd still like to be able to help you. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't, but that's it's always an agenda item is to just be able to talk about the rest of the family and where they are. We have everyone's, we have all the children's names. We have children's birth dates. We have where they're going to school, you know, what they're doing. We have kids who are now graduating from med school, just finishing fellowships. So we want to be part of those relationships and, and make sure it all goes well, you know, just brainstorming ideas on how to well, what if we don't like the daughter-in-law and what if we think she's a gold digger and <laughs> yes how does that work and those are real difficult things they are they are and and also gives us permission to be the bad guy sometimes which they really appreciate so we had a, a meeting last week with uh, just a husband and wife that they're she's in she's not on this planet she's in the land of all retirement and they haven't saved and she's he literally knew they had the meeting. They've been with us since 2011, and he wanted us to have the meeting so that we could be the ones. Colby and I had to tell them that, no, you can't retire. Nope. Nope. We didn't do what we talked about. <laughs> I think that's a great value that financial professionals bring that often gets overlooked, is that you are equipped to be that third party, to your point, the bad guy that can deliver those kind of messages and maybe remove it a little bit from that personal side of things that, you know, family members can have. That's great. And just to be able to say it's all about choices. We, we, we run the numbers. We have no opinions or, and I don't want to say we don't care, but we get a cash flow from everybody. If you're a gazillionaire or a 
pauper, we're still going to get a cash flow from you. And we don't care how you spend your money, but we just need to know how you spend your money so that when we are doing a plan, we're not changing your lifestyle unless we have to. And then it's about choices that you get to make. That's great. That's a really key point. I'm going to transition a little bit. You just segued beautifully into where I wanted to go next, which is you used the name Colby. And I know that you don't do what you do alone. So why don't you share a little bit about who's who's a part of your team and how do you guys make it work? Yeah, so we have a great team and it started with Amy, uh, who's been with me for 11 years and we met at a football concession stand. And that's another thing about finding good people, but she and her husband are running the concession stand and she was doing a tutorial on how to make hot pretzels with cheese sauce. And she was so methodical about it. And I wasn't because it's, let's just do it. And I'm like, I need to know this person. And one thing led to another, she did not come with me right away, but she came with me 11 years ago. And I've been doing this for 13 years. And so she's great, loves to put stickies, loves to do applications, all the detail. And then we have Alyssa, who is a family friend, and she's been with us two years. And she's Amy with some creativity. She's also methodical. She had this whole, you know, all this microphone stuff and she's, you know, has everything set up so I don't have to think about it or, or mess it up. And she's also very, she makes lists. She has lists and gets everything organized. Anything new we're going to try and get our toast stuck in, she's happy to want to want to do that. And I don't want to be the one to say yes to it. And she's happy to do that. And then Colby, my son is 28. Eight, almost 29. He's a CPA. He joined us just, it'll be two years at the end of the year. He has also been great because of the accounting and tax background is we've been doing joint meetings for most all of our meetings, both so that he's meeting our clients, but also I just really, if I learned anything in the last few years, it's that you do need to diversify the the scale the picture so both gender and and age and de- you know demographics in general because you can you don't know what's going to strike with a client maybe uh, there's going to be a guy that's going to want a guy in this meeting and I'm good with that there was a time I wasn't good with that but today I'm good with it I get it and also this we like to do a lot of brainstorming so how do we how do we problem solve this so you have you know four or five brains get together and talk about it we get to look at what options might be a better solution for that client. The other two people that kind of help out is my husband, who's a retired CPA. He comes in periodically. I mean, besides doing, you know, like business tax stuff for us, he does some special cases where we have, he's a retired consultant on the healthcare side. So we have a couple of clients in that, that fall into that. And then Bill Curtis is a former colleague. We've worked together for years and he came out of compliance and operations world. So he is just here and there, you know, helping write our handbook or figuring out wordsmithing stuff, just something that we can't do. So anything we can't do, we kind of throw at him. And so you almost need to have, in my mind, a mix of personalities. And we did do the Colby test together and it was really revealing about <laughs> who everybody is and what they do and and why. So it, it, it's a really empowering thing. So yeah, everyone has gifts. We celebrate them. Amy has people that she works with, little old ladies that she works with because they can't drive or they don't understand their credit union statement or whatever. And she handholds that. And Alyssa's great on the technology and making things, you know, come to light. We're doing a 
we did a video and we're trying to find a cool way to send it. And there's some new technology to make that happen that we're getting cleared, obviously, through AdView. She's the one that'll dig deep into all that stuff and read the directions. <laughs> the really exciting stuff that you and I would prefer not to do. Correct. And the other thing is Alyssa, she's been with us two years. She, she's 25 or six, maybe. She's also just getting close to taking her pair of planning tests. So she's really embracing that as well. So we, we slot her with some, you know, young millennials who need to work on budgeting and that kind of thing. Great transition. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you because you are one of the successful female financial professionals that I know, and there are many, but not enough, right? What advice would you give someone like Alyssa or someone in her position, maybe that hasn't even found that they're interested in this industry about why this industry is special? Why should they consider it as a career? Well, that's a really good question. I, for me, and I've, I've shared this with others, it's, for me, it's the fact that every day is a new day and every new client's a new box of puzzle pieces and, and you get to learn and figure it out each time. So I would, I would advocate that women, I don't want to say this, that men aren't, but women tend to be better at asking questions and tend to have more empathy and women have more of an ability to read a situation. And we need both. We need black and white and we need that gray or vague or touchy feely as well. And with less touchy feely during COVID, but, uh, but uh, I, I just think the fact that you can, the sky's the limit. And I, you know, had people around me all of my life that said, you can do whatever you want to do in terms of my personal life, not necessarily my professional life. And then when I had a chance to start this business and be able to, I literally started it when Colby was, you know, a freshman or something in high school. And he was playing, he was a three sport athlete. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to get off that much time from work to go to all these games and make these meals and do all these things. So that's when I, that, I mean, among other reasons, that was one of the reasons I decided to go off on my own. And then I could dictate how much time I'm going to spend and how I want to spend it. And, and all the hard work, I'm happy to work a lot of hours and have done that in the past, but this is really the, the beneficiaries of that time are me, my family, my closest, you know, circle. And it's not, corporate America. So I'm so glad you brought that up. I think it's one of the biggest myths out there is that doing what you do is very inflexible. Little do they know, and we don't do a great job of, to your point, it's a little hard to put in a marketing brochure or, you know, an elevator speech, but that there, there is flexibility. You are in charge of your own schedule in many ways. And I did have another female financial professional actually say the reason she became a financial professional was because she was a mother and she wanted exactly what you just described. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And, and it's also what you make of it. it you, you, I mean, there's a certain amount of creativity and there's not a plug and play answer to this. So it varies by families and children and activities and all of that. But if there's a place to do it, this would be it. And the best part of it, I believe, is that we all are doing life stuff. So you can be even better and better each time because you've been through it yourself. When when our children were very young, I always tried to be sure that we have friends with some be friends with someone who had a child that was two years older than I than we were. So I knew what I had to do or be ready to do. <laughs> we also had a phone on the wall and we'd call each other and say, Did you sign up for soccer yet? And you know, so it's nice to have those people around to say, you're supposed to do this next. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Let's shift gears a little bit. What do you do when you're not working with clients? What's your personal life full of and, and what inspires you? 
Well, we spend a lot of time as a family and everyone kind of lives within a mile or two radius. We're very blessed that way. And we, our in-laws are great. Our, both, both of them, Parker and Colby are married and we have great daughter-in-laws and their parents are great. And one of the things we do a lot of is that everyone in the family has kind of like real estate or duplexes or something. So we end up on, we might on a weekend when someone's got to get something ready, everyone comes to that space and starts, you know, painting or finishing the backsplash or whatever. I'm more of the gopher and painter and food provider, but we do those kinds of projects and work as a team that way. And there's really not a schedule. It just happens. It's just kind of cool that that's the reality. We have a place in uh, Door County, which is a little peninsula in the northeast side of Wisconsin. And it's an inland lake. And Lake Michigan is on one side and the Bay of Green Bay is on the other. And we have had that for about 20 years and have had generations of kids come up through the years and have continued to come up through the years. And in the last, you know, 10 years now, everyone cooks together. They do, we, we do a fish boil in our backyard. Everyone has a, uh, now we have a Facebook invite that we said, what's the menu going to be and how are we going to do it and who's bringing what? And so there's just, a, it's a lot of fun stuff like that. And I read, I meditate, I, I have to take time in the morning. I really do. It took me a long time to figure that out, but I now make a, that as much of a priority as I can. And I try to encourage other people because I didn't learn it right away, but just to really be able to d disconnect and listen and be at peace and all those things. And then we just, you know, have caregiving. Uh, my mother was in a nursing home and, and we have other family members that need help. So, you know, just that kind of stuff. Self-care so that you can care for others is a tough lesson. It is really hard. And it's really hard to teach it to some other people as well, I might add. <laughs> so, so you have to figure that out, you know, until you're ready to hear it or do it, it's probably not going to matter. But I just would like to think I'm a better human than I was 10 years ago. So sure you are. I'm glad to hear that you found that. What, if anything, has changed in the last six or eight months as the country, your community, your clients has had to learn to adapt to this COVID life that we're in right now? Well, pretty much everything. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's just, it's really interesting. And I, at the time I kept thinking, oh, we should be journaling this because our, our heads were in so many places. But Colby got married on February 22nd in a venue that he and his wife owned. It was a cool old building that they are refurbishing to be a wedding venue. On February 22nd, they went on a honeymoon February 24th to New Zealand with someone's freaking flyer miles. They came back on the 7th of March. We went to Orlando to RPM. Mark and Colby and I did. Came back on Wednesday the 11th. And then, I mean, it was how we got all of that in and didn't know. And I remember being at RPM and were we going to fist bump? Were we going to hug? And it was just really, really surreal, I guess is the only word I can say. And then all of a sudden we stopped. and. Thankfully, Alyssa and Amy had already been talking to our IT person to get remote access to, to things because Amy had been out a bit with some grandbabies. And so she was doing this. So we had already had it set up in like the last week before the 18th or 20th or whatever of March. And we all worked remotely with the exception of Colby, who stayed at the office to just kind of, you know, hold on the fort. So we're finding out that we've become probably a little more efficient, if you want to call it that, in terms of how we take time with our clients. 
not everybody has been able to or wants to Zoom. And so we did after May 26th or early June, did have some in-person meetings in another space downstairs that's a little more expansive. With uh, We have plexiglass, we have hand sanitizer. We don't have our bowl of trail mix anymore. We have packages of trail mix and, and all these you know workarounds. And we are doing a pie day. We always have a pie day for our clients, which is the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. We send them an invitation to send to order pies and we bring pies here on a Tuesday morning at seven in the morning till one and they come and pick up their up to four pies for their Thanksgiving dinner and they have a piece of pie and they have coffee and they visit and they tell stories and people cry and laugh. We're not doing that this year. We're having a pie day, but it's going to be a drive-through and you know, everything where that we just, every way that we could touch someone, it's, you know, we've had some kind of an obstacle to it. Now, here's another thing that has come about though, and I don't know if it was because of COVID or just getting potentially smarter, is when we have people call us to, that are initial clients, people who are, you know, were referred or or saw our website or a commercial or whatever, call us, you know, Colby and I will do a joint call with them just to see where they're coming from and what their goal is and what, you know, their objective is. And then we have a series of documents that we have always sent out to prospects, a cash flow, a checklist of your goals, life questions, or risk tolerance. We always had them send that out and then get it back to us in a secure email so we can kind of look at it before the meeting. That doesn't always happen. I mean, sometimes it's done, sometimes it isn't done. And so because COVID's been so weird and schedules have been so weird, I've been asking people to send all of that information back in a secure email. And when we get it, we will set up an appointment. And that has been really good because we have all the information. We have a good idea of what to talk about. We have a good idea of what they're capable of and what they want to do. In the past, Alyssa has been calling them and saying, hey, do you have your stuff ready yet? Can you send me the year taxes, whatever? It's all done. So we're also, by, by default, screening people who are really serious about this. We want to work with people who want to get better. And so if you're really serious about it, you'll have to do the homework and get it back to us. And we're going to help you with it once we do. And so that's been a byproduct, I think, a little bit of the, that process. We are really thinking about every single example of do we work remotely or don't. So Amy's not in this week. She's working remotely. Alyssa and I are the only ones here this week. Colby and Teresa went and got COVID tested today, just did a rapid test just to be safe. And maybe we'll see them tomorrow. I don't know. And you know, so there's a lot of thinking ahead about, okay, who am I going to see? Who are they going to see? What did they see? Who did they see to make a difference? And we have some clients who don't want to meet and don't want to do Zoom. So those are the ones I feel a little reticent about because they're, they're 65. They're not technologically savvy necessarily. And they we can't necessarily meet them either. So I feel a little, I haven't figured a workaround for that. Will they do phone calls? Yeah, we, we, we can't. And, and, but it's, you know, in the, some examples, it's working on like a long-term, dis, a long-term care policy, which is a visual and it's hard to go through without that. So anytime I can do that, we can do a call, we will. The other thing we are doing without, not necessarily systematically, but probably Every week we pull two or three or four names, each of us, and call clients just to say how they're doing. And that is really, you didn't, you don't realize how important it is, but it's really, it's been very, there are people that are truly isolated and they need some contact. So we have been making an effort with some of our people who might be single or widowed or isolated in some fashion to reach out and connect with them as well. 
we're having the pie day. So that's going to be another touch. We did, we sent masks. We had Knuth masks made that we sent out like right around Labor Day, maybe. And those were a hit and they were our nice thin masks, probably not, you know, great in February, but, but they're thin and easy and washable and can run, go in your pocket or your purse. And people were sending us pictures of their themselves with their masks on. So the PS on the bottom of the letter was, we've got you covered. So it was, <laughs> so we've been just trying to think of things to touch with an idea, a, a strategy, et cetera. Sounds like some of those things may not go away, even if we remotely get back to some sort of normalcy, mm-hmm. right? You, oh, you're yeah. learning some I, it, positives. And there is, the there are positives and it's, it's just the paradigm shift. And I think, again, I think the hardest one is to, you know, in, we only have a group of four, four to six people on it, but mostly four people on a given week. And what did everyone do? What's everyone doing this weekend? What's next week going to look like? It's not because everyone's out partying. It's just, you know, life, life. Exactly. Any last piece of advice that you'd like to share or a story that you'd like to make sure the audience hears about you, your company, this industry? I think it's the best gig in town. And I, I both from a, my role, our, our business, our partnership with Cambridge. Oh, I do have a story to tell on how I found Cambridge because when I was looking to back in, I don't know, or seven looking to find a broker dealer. And I'm in Appleton and there's probably four or five broker dealers back then that were within either 15 minutes or an hour and a half from me at that time. I, I was at a, an FPA retreat and I was looking online and I said to someone at the FPA retreat, Hey, I'm looking for a new BD. What would you suggest? I'm going to go independent. And they, this person said to me, he's from Racine, Wisconsin. He said, Oh, check out Cambridge. And I said, Oh, okay, I'll check them out. And went online and the Maharishi school of TM was there and John Deere and, and like, Oh, this is interesting. I think I have to check it out. So fast forward, I, I choose Cambridge. It's great. And I literally came to Cambridge with nothing because I came out of a banking world with non-competes and I didn't, I had the clothes on the top and my back and that was it. So they, Cambridge was good enough to give me and, and Lynn Bronis and whoever was good enough to give me a shot. And I was at an FPA meeting into like year 10 of this relationship. And I met the man who said, Hey, check out Cambridge. And I said, I said, Hey, Mike, thanks so much. Is when you want to know, I landed at Cambridge. It's been great. And he said, Oh, good. He said, how's George doing? And I said, George, I don't know George. And he said, Oh, well, well, what about Rodney? I said, I don't know Rodney. I don't know who that would be. He said, you're talking Cambridge and Colorado, right? <laughs> so there it is. There it is. I said, nope. I'm oh, not. the world works the way it's supposed to. <laughs> so yeah, that was, I got to tell Lynn that story at Signature or something, but it's like, how did that happen? How did that happen? And I feel divine intervention or, you know, I, I don't know if it's good, clean living, but it's definitely, if you listen and just pay attention, it's all, it all comes together. So the other thing I would say, though, to anyone thinking about this is the, one of the impo- most important things, and I've been doing all the talking because you're asking questions, but really to, take, to ask good questions, both as a parent or an advisor or a professional or, or a spouse, but to ask good questions and then to sit back and listen, because that is when you can become the most effective and be the most efficient and 
have the most empathy and, and really understand the situation. And that is something, you know, sometimes we just get really hung up on just getting the answers or ask a bunch of closed ended questions. Like sounds like an interrogation, but if you can just say, tell me about, you can find out a whole lot more and be much more productive and helpful to those people on the other side. So that's great. Thank you for sharing. You are Cambridge stronger and congratulations on being a Cambridge spirit honoree. Thank you so much. We are so glad to have had you. I'm glad that the gentleman sent you to Cambridge, even though he didn't say which town or state for that matter, right? Because I agree with you. Everything happens the way it's supposed to. And we are really glad to have you in our family. Well, I'm thrilled to be here and appreciate all of you as well. Great. Well, you have a wonderful week. Thank you for sharing yourself and your stories with us. And we'll talk to you soon. You as well. Take care. Be safe. Thank you. You too. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. If you like what you've heard, please give us a review and head on over to our blog for more content at cambridgestronger.com. That's cambridgestronger.com. We are Cambridge Stronger.